This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Monday 4th of July edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. If you guys are seriously driving to work today, it sucks to be you. Hopefully you're listening to this on a on a beach trip or or whatever. But anyway, speaking of sucking, uh, the Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Chicago Cubs, dropping the series two games to one. They are still somehow in second place in the American League East. 13 and a half games out from the New York Yankees and just a half a game above the uh, third place Toronto Blue Jays. Quick disclaimer for any first time listeners. This is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the city of Canton, Massachusetts, Jason Kelly. Jason? Yeah, I was doing pretty well up until the final of that game. I was excited to be back on the, the weekend shift. And, you know, I figured, oh, Cubs series, great. Yeah, should be should be able to recap a sweep here, right? The lowly Cubs who are rebuilding and have nothing to play for. But I was sorely mistaken. So hats off to the Red Sox for always keeping me on my toes. And, oh, you think we're going to get a sweep? No, we're going to lose two out of three just to – just to keep stoking that fire in you. So appreciate that. Thanks, Red Sox. Also joining us tonight from the city of Providence, Rhode Island, Charlie Smith. You know, the only thing more confusing to my ears was hearing Jason say, or you saying that Jason was from Canton. I was like, wait, no, that, oh, yeah, you're right. And uh, yeah, similar to what Jason said, uh, you know, getting the opportunity to, uh, listen to the other show, which coincidentally had Jason on it with Andrew and yourself. Uh, I, I also was like, oh, this will be fun. It's always fun to face the bad teams because we we win. We, we win those series. And then this happened. So uh, admittedly so, I did not watch the third game in the series, which we won. So basically, if I don't watch, we do great. And if I watch, it's just tragic. Uh, but similar to how you're feeling, Jason, thanks Red Sox it it just it was a really sad that was a sad way to you know go into the fourth 
Yeah, and there's a lot to be concerned about. I mean, uh, Michael Waka was scheduled to start tomorrow. He's been scratched because of a heavy arm, which basically means he is fatigued. So we're going to have an Austin Davis opener situation, probably get a couple of innings out of him. We'll get into that later on. But then you had Xander Bogarts getting spiked in the knee by, um, Will, is it Wilson Contreras? Yes. And uh, Cubs catcher, spaced on his first name. But uh, not nothing to agree just with the slide there, but uh, just, you know, an unfortunate uh, circumstance. So Bogarts has seven stitches in his knee, says he's not in any pain at the moment. That was post game. But uh, usually the second day of an injury tends to be the, the sorest part. So we'll see if he is able to play. Seems highly questionable. And uh yeah, so suddenly we're we're really thin with starting pitching. And as far as the series goes, we're going to get into the weekend shit list. But uh, just a really ugly series, probably one of the ugliest of the year. I mean, statistically, we have been swept before. Uh, this wasn't a sweep, but just the games were just ugly. Lots of unearned runs were were given up, and and we were the the benefactors of that today in the, uh, in the third game, but um, just not good uh, offensively anyway. So before we get into the shit list, uh, this is how the weekend played out uh, Friday. Rich Hill gets the start. Red Sox lose that one six to three in the series opener on Saturday, despite a very solid, performance by Josh Winkowski Red Sox end up dropping that one three to one and then finally today in the finale Red Sox win that one four to two with Connor Siebold of all people pitching that's the that's the one we end up winning so uh, it was a two to one uh, series loss We've got a series with Tampa then a series uh, with New York both of those are at home. Then we go to Tampa to play them at the Trop, and then we go to the Bronx. So the next four series are arguably against two of the tougher teams in the division. And uh, this Chicago series was not a good primer for that. Uh, didn't, didn't seem to get ourselves where we needed to be. So finally, let's get into the weekend shit list. Uh, that will be a top five. This week, we'll start with number five. That actually happens to be my slot this week. And I'm going with Alex Cora. Bullpen management, not the greatest. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that specifically in depth later on. But uh, definitely uh, some questionable moves in game one. And then today, he decides to sit. J.D. Martinez and Trevor Story. Now, they haven't been playing well, obviously. But it seems to be a new thing this season that two key guys get an off day on the same game. On the same game. And 
it essentially to me felt like a forfeit knowing that Connor Siebold was pitching. Like, let's just forfeit the game and rest everyone at that point. May as well. I mean, obviously, that would never fly because people paid for tickets, but but it very much felt like a forfeit, and the the tide's kind of been, I don't know. We've been skating in some games with certain guys slumping and the bottom of the lineup picking up the team. Uh, Rob Snyder before this series was was one of those guys, and you had big moments from Cordero and Arroyo uh, in recent games, uh, Vasquez as well. But um, it just feels like the momentum's going the wrong way, and Alex Cora doesn't have uh, a handle on it. Jason? Yeah, I would agree, and... I always hear it from Red Sox fans whenever we criticize Alex Cora for giving guys days off. They go, well, you have to think about the long stretch. It's a long season, and he's thinking about the upcoming series. Okay, that's a fair point. Obviously, they have a bunch of big series coming up against both Tampa and New York, both home and away. But you just lost two straight to the effing Cubs. Like, you're you're kind of – you're at a point where you've got – Siebold pitching, he got beaten up in his last start, and you essentially told him, hey, we're going to take two of our best hitters out of the lineup. Good luck, kid. Hope it goes better this time. Like, what message does that send to Connor Siebold, who, you know, his confidence is probably a little shaken after his last start. He's trying to find his footing as a major leaguer. Um, And, you know, Alex Cora takes two of his best hitters out of the lineup. Granted, one of them has been – a little inconsistent, but still he, he takes him out of the lineup. And like you said, Terry, it's like, it's almost like he just punted on the series. He goes, ah, it's okay if we get swept by Chicago, as long as our guys are ready, quote unquote, ready for Tampa and New York coming up this week. Does giving them a day off and having them sit in the dugout, watching the team lose potentially and potentially get swept by the Cubs, does that help them? Does that get them pumped up for Tampa and New York? I don't think so. And let's face it, the Red Sox won today by the skin of their teeth. It was basically the Cubs literally throwing the game away that gave them the win. So I I just, I I understand it from Cora's standpoint because he does look at it as like a marathon, not a sprint. But when you're going up against a team like Chicago and you've already lost two against a bad team like that, and you've got an important series coming up, don't you kind of want to send a message and have your best hitters out there and go, hey, guys, go beat the crap out of them today. Let's get some momentum going, get back to Boston tomorrow, and let's beat up on Tampa tomorrow afternoon. It just, the whole, the rest days thing, like, I don't know. In in April and in May, I get it because it is a long season and you kind of go, okay, understandable. In July, when you're you've already lost two out of three, it doesn't really that that whole thing kind of goes out the window. So I was very frustrated by that too. I just I'm getting tired of it. So Jason, you already hit up on a really, really good point. And I I was gonna say something and and then you cut into it. Um you just kept going with the flow. This isn't a boost morale type situation. Y- you literally you said it perfectly. 
you put a rookie out there high and dry. You set him up for failure. You took away two of the toys in in the sandbox. You are playing with a stacked deck, or in this case, you're not playing with a full deck of cards. This isn't. This was not fair. It was not right. We we didn't win this game. Chicago lost this game, and you said it already. Um, I didn't get to watch this game, but like getting to watch the highlights, this was horrific. This never should have gotten as bad as it did. Everything went from bad to worse. This never should have gone to extra innings. It never should have done that. But then again, we shouldn't have lost the first game in the series either. Literally everything that could have gone bad did. Um, is it Cora's fault that certain players aren't hitting? No. Is it Cora's fault that certain players aren't playing? Yes. And I agree with you on that. In April, May, you want to kind of play that out? Okay, I understand. You are trying to remain relevant. You are half a game away from losing your second place spot. You're a game away, if I'm not mistaken, from going back into, you know, two more spots. So everything that could potentially go wrong right now is on the wall. If we don't figure it out soon, everything that we worked so hard to do as a team, um, we could have thrown that all away. This seven game win streak gone. Uh, these like masterful pitching performances by some of our starters gone. But I said this at the beginning of the year, the Red Sox are a couple of injuries away in the rotation from being a less than mediocre team. Uh, we're watching it right now. They, they just scratched, you know, Waka. So things could potentially get worse before they get better. Jason's mom had a tweet earlier. <laughs> Jason's mom is very active with us on Twitter. Uh, at Jan Red Sox Kelly, if anybody wants to follow Jason's mom. Um, she tweeted at us, most players back in the day had no good nutrition, worked in the offseason, and never took days off. And she goes, you get days off when you're winning. And there's so much technology now in terms of treatment for these guys when they're when they're sore and um the the nutrition that she mentions is a lot more advanced like guys know how to take care of themselves not saying they all do i mean we we sat through josh beckett and john lackey who were doing some questionable things in the clubhouse uh one infamous season but I'm just so tired of the coddling and I, I know I've mentioned this at least two or three times this year. And it's really been the theme of Alex Cora's tenure as the Red Sox manager. And I hope we win another world series in the Alex Cora era, <laughs> but what worked in 2018 isn't gonna necessarily fly. I mean, last year I know we got to the LCS, but I mean, we didn't really have any business being there. I mean, it was it was a fun ride, but but the better team won, and um, you know, so be it. But um, I thought to myself, and it wasn't a rational thought, so I'll preface it with that. But I'm like. What if Heim Bloom trade made a trade with the Cubs? Alex Cora for David Ross. <laughs> Do you, would you guys hate that? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I would or not. 
But the one thing I, uh, I liked about David Ross was last season in the first half before Javi Baez got traded, he didn't leg out uh, a, a single to first base. Like he didn't run hard to try to, you know, beat the throw or whatever. And he was instantly benched by David Ross. And Javi Baez is a veteran. This isn't Jaron Duran on the Cubs. This isn't a Bobby Dahlbeck type guy. Javi Baez is a veteran. And David Ross had the balls to say, you're benched, kid. You know, you got you got to have more effort. I, I, I know we've seen Corey yell at Erod, but I, I don't know if, if he would necessarily have the balls to, to do that with, with certain players. But, yeah, so I'm a big David Ross guy. I think he's going to win a World Series. I just don't think it'll be with the Cubs. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, if he's going to win a World Series, it won't be with the Cubs because they are—they've got some good pieces, but they're at least four to five years away. So why did they even sign Marcus Stroman? They gave him like seventy-one million dollars for three years, in which they're not even going to be competitive. Stroman sucks. Yeah, he does suck, and that's—and that's just the owner of the Cubs being like, we still got to put butts in the seats. So let's he, get someone who might win some games. What has he done this year? Has he even won more than a game? He's been terrible. He, he has an ERA. Yeah, he's, he's an ERA so... of like five and a half, and then he yeah. got put on the IL. So Yeah, he's garbage. He's a shoulder problem or something. Yeah, well, all right. I think that's uh, enough Cora bashing for one week. Uh, Jason, number four, who do you got? Yeah, I got Trevor Story, um, another guy who got a you know day off today for whatever reason. Um, but before he got the day off, he was one for nine in this series, one for nine with four strikeouts, and just basically no impact whatsoever. And I've talked about Trevor Story a lot on this podcast. I've said that look, he's a guy that you're going to go through peaks and valleys with him when he's at his height. He's one of the best hitters in the league and a lot of pitchers don't want to face him. And defensively, he's great at second base. He's done a really good job fitting in there, but when he's in his valleys, it's tough. And unfortunately for him, he's going through one of those slumps right now when Devers is going through a slump, JD is going through a slump, Bogarts is going through a slump. It's, it's not a good time. Um, you know, they missed Duran for a whole series. Um, Verdugo is doing what he can, but it's it's not enough. So for Trevor Story to be a peak and valley kind of hitter, for this team, the way that they just can't seem to be consistent no matter what, that's a problem. If you had a team that was consistently performing, then you'd kind of put up with it a little bit more. Even though, like, him hitting 222 at his contract with, with the amount of money he's making, that's not nearly good enough. But if the Red Sox had taken two out of three from Chicago, or if they had swept like we expected they would, then you kind of go, okay, eh, whatever. He'll figure it out as long as he's there later in the year for the big series. But when they lose two out of three to a bad team and the rest of the team is struggling and this guy that you spent all this money on isn't performing – it really stands out and it's just, it's so frustrating that against a team like the Cubs, who again, the two pitchers that he faced in this series 
were Adrian Sampson, who's a nobody, and Alec Mills, who came into this series on an ERA of nine. And he faced those two guys, and he couldn't do anything. That's a problem. Like, that is really glaring. So, I, look, I'm still happy he's here. I still think it'll work out in the long run. I still believe in Trevor's story overall. But in a series like this, when you lose two out of three to a bad team, and he's one of the guys that struggles, again, one for nine, it really it sticks out like a sore thumb and it's just it's not good enough and he does need to be criticized for it sorry yeah I, again like I, one great thing about i think jason and i is that we're going to be aligned on about 103 percent of the stuff we sometimes double agree this is a second straight series that uh trevor story was irrelevant and i'm still a a trevor story supporter but the numbers that are glaring to me are the two for 16 clip with a couple of hits, neither one of which were extra base hits, eight strikeouts. That's a problem. When you're striking out 50% of the time, it's, it's a 50% chance that you're a gimme out for them. You can't afford to be a gimme out when you're batting in the spot that you're batting in. When you're batting in the six hole or you're batting in the five hole, they're depending on you to drive in runs. When you're in the six slot, you cannot afford to strike out. That is not a part of the makeup for you. That's unacceptable. You got someone who hits directly in front of you who doesn't strike out hardly ever, like ever, ever. Dugo is just a man on fire. We we need to figure out what Trevor Story did before and get him back there. He's getting the at-bats today. He had a half day off before the Xander incident. But I just... I don't think we've really focused on Trevor Story's struggles too much because I said this in a, in a prior series. I had to look back myself because um, I can't recall which series it was, but we're not going to harp or um, highlight the fact that Story is struggling in series that we win. When we lose a certain series, we're going to point fingers at the better players. Trevor Story is not being paid to be a rookie or second-year major leaguer. He's being paid to be one of the leaders on this team. And uh, one of the most recent series that I can see here, Seattle, one for 11. Oakland, two for 13. Series like that, not going to get it done. And the most recent series against Toronto, one for seven. And then Chicago, one for nine. We haven't seen a home run from him since the Toronto series. And before that, it wasn't until almost middle of June. We need to we need to see something more than this. It's I hate to use the word unacceptable, but what's a synonym for unacceptable? We need him to wake up. This is someone who really does need to get hot right now, especially with all of the other pieces that are starting to fall apart. There's not really a lot I can add. He's four for his last twenty-two. He's fifth in MLB right now with strikeouts. And this is a big month for the Red Sox, and it needs to be a big month for Trevor Story. I suppose he could sputter a little, and perhaps as we get down to the latter half of September and hopefully into the month of October, I mean, if he has some big moments, then... 
I guess that could salvage a season too, but but this team is a lot more robust offensively if if Trevor Story is very productive out of the six hole. And I, I just worry if starting pitching or opposing pitching, I should say, suddenly isn't afraid of Trevor Story, what's that going to do for Alex Verdugo, who hits in front of him? What's he gonna, what's he gonna get to hit after that, if if they're not afraid of of Trevor's story? So, if Verdugo draws a walk, no big deal. Story probably hits into a double play or strikes out to end the inning. So, needs needs to be a big month. We we know we know some other players are gonna come around. We we don't necessarily know that about Trevor Story because. He just got here, so Tampa would be uh, a good series to, you know, start hitting. Number three on the shit list, Charlie. Yeah, so for this one, this is really hard for me to uh, for me to have to say, but Rafi Devers. Uh, this is someone who really has not been getting the done. He, he just has not been getting it done as of late. Um, this is someone who just had one extra base hit in the entire series. I wish he had a case of the, uh, Dugos and didn't strike out as much as he did four out of 15 with five strikeouts, 33% target share. Not great. Not as bad as, as Trevor story, but this is someone since mid June, uh, exact date, June 17th, one home run, three RBIs and just three extra base hits. Um, this is your most feared hitter in the lineup. And if he's not even getting doubles, we got problems because we're not hitting home runs this year in Boston. We're praying for two baggers. And when our two bad guys aren't hitting two bags, we struggle. Combine that with the, the, the topics and points that Jason and I had talked about and yourself as well, Terry, we're not going to win games. If you can't get on base, you can't knock runners in, we're going to lose. And if we're losing to teams like Chicago, just imagine what's going to happen against, you know, the next two series. It's not going to be pretty, and we're going to be pretty upset. Yeah, I mean, it, one thing that stood out to me is you mentioned since June 17th, he only has one homer. I mean, that's well over two weeks with only – so, like, look, power is not everything – but when you're playing in the AL East and you're competing with the Yankees and the Blue Jays, power means something. And I feel like this lineup in particular, Charlie mentioned it, there's a little bit of a power outage. We're, we're a doubles team. We're not a power team anymore. J.D. Martinez is not a power hitter anymore. Like, sorry, he's not. Everyone keeps saying, oh, he's going to figure it out. He's gonna, The power will come. No, no, he's just – the swing has slowed down a little bit and he's not going to hit 30 home runs this year. Um, Xander Bogarts hasn't hit a home run since, you know, the bicentennial, it feels like. Like, it's it's been forever. So Rafi Devers is your big-time power hitter, and he's gone cold for over two weeks. And this series, it was really weird because it wasn't like he was hitting the ball hard and there were lineouts and – good defensive plays and oh, okay, just bad luck. 
he was swinging and missing at like 92 mile an hour fastballs. Like not even great stuff. The, the Cubs don't have pitchers with great stuff. They just don't. And he was whiffing a lot. So I don't know if that's fatigue. I don't know if he's trying to do too much because let's face it, the rest of the lineup is really struggling and maybe he feels like he's got to pick them up. So he's trying to do too much. We talked about it the last series where, you know, he was swinging at the first pitch a lot. So maybe he feels like he's just got to go up there and do something because the rest of his team has gone pretty cold, but whatever it is, he's got to figure it out because he doesn't look like the same Rafi Devers from the first two months. And that's a big concern. So uh, one, one final thing that I wanted to mention about Devers was while he did get the runner in, in, in the second game, you don't get credit for that. You ground into a double play to get that runner in. So that mixed in with the fact that you're also committing errors too. You're not helping the team when you do things like that. Not only are you not hitting and, and doing the things that we're expecting you to do, you're hurting the team on the back end too. We're not expecting you to be the perfect third baseman, but we're expecting you to get one or the other. And when we're getting, you know, a fourth instead of at least a half, you know, plus two on both sides, we're getting about one out of four. We're not getting the hits, and your fielding's poor. Rafi Devers is not the best third baseman as far as fielding is concerned. We know him as a power hitter, and it's just not there. Well, he had that one throw to Franchi Cordero that ended up in the Cubs dugout. Um, one, uh, I think Winkowski also had a, a similar throw, and that's how the Cubs got their first two runs in the second game. We were down two to nothing. And we were battling. We uh, got one run on the board, and uh, unfortunately, Hout gave up another one to make it three to one. But Devers, that was a sloppy play on his part, and I felt bad for Franchi because there was nothing he could do to save any of those. And it, you kind of, by his body language, you could see his own frustration, like, like maybe he might be blaming himself. But that wasn't really a bad uh, first base outing for for Franchi and as far as Devers I mean today in the finale two infield singles we had seven of those by the way today and two of them were Devers I don't know if he's just if he's hitting the top of the baseball and you know causing it to spike but his first two hits went a total of 16 feet (laughs) that's uh crazy and then I think Trevor Story had one that was four feet so I don't know what was wrong with them today. <laughs> and it, it was it wasn't just the Cubs starting pitching. It, it was just the entire nine innings. They were just they were just hitting uh hitting them into the dirt and um pretty ugly. But Devers is the one guy I am confident he will come around. Jason mentioned He's probably trying to do too much. That's the impression that I get. I think he just needs to relax, settle back into a groove, start putting the ball in play, you know, start ripping balls in the gap. And then before you know it, they'll be going back over the fence again once he's in that rhythm. But it's just too bad that this team lives and dies by Devers. Charlie. So, so again, I feel bad. I said one final thing. I was just like looking at some, some Devers info 
and this funny uh, message popped up. Apparently, Raphael Devers was having a, uh, a conversation with somebody on Instagram, and somebody said, you, you just be out here costing me money every week. And Raphael Devers ended up responding with seven emojis, two crazy face, two tongue, three tongue out, and then two with the money tongue, and he said, F you. <laughs> so I give him a little bit of credit. This was a dramatic week, too, because Raphael Devers is, is arguably one of my two favorite Red Sox. Uh, it's him and it's Chris Sale. I love them both. It sucks when they're not playing. And I did the most devastating thing I could possibly think of in fantasy baseball. I traded my favorite player away to make my dad's day. So happy 4th of July, Dad. You now get my favorite Red Sox on your team. Yeah, you got Trey Turner in that deal. I saw that. Yep. Go ahead, Jason. I, I will mention, too, that I will give Devers credit because one of those hits he had today was a bunt single when yep. they had the shift on. And you know what? I, I still want him mashing and hitting home runs, but if they're going to keep shifting on him and leaving that third base side wide open, take the bunt and get on base. Now, it's not his fault that nobody drove him in, but if he's able to do that, keep doing it because if that – prevents teams from shifting on them all the better it should happen more across the league but it's kind of a dying art so it's unfortunate number two on the shit list jason yeah um number two is xander bogarts one for ten in the series and look he got hurt in the final game an unfortunate injury there he you know um got spiked on a slide so that sucked but before that one for 10 left a bunch of guys on base he just i, I don't know what's going on with him he he's not striking out it's the weirdest thing like he's not striking out so he's not swinging and missing but i can't tell you the last time i saw xander bogarts really drive a ball into the outfield it feels like he's just chopping everything into the dirt you know, double play after double play, he's he's not he's not hitting the ball hard. It's just it's a lot of soft contact and it's a lot of just really non-competitive at bats too. Feels like he's always down on the count and then just kind of fighting to stay alive and ends up swinging at a bad pitch and that's you know he, he grounds out. Um, hasn't had a home run since I think middle of June or something like that. So. His power has gone out the window as well. Um, it's kind of a weird, he's kind of going with the rest of the team. Like there's this weird trend where even though the weather's heating up, the Red Sox are powering down, which is the exact opposite of the way it usually goes. Usually the weather heats up and the power numbers start going up, but him, JD, Devers are just not hitting home runs anymore. Um, but Bogarts in particular, it's like every ball, he's just spiking into the dirt. So Again, it, I don't know if it's a thing that, you know, he's sharing with Devers where he's trying to do too much. Um, I shouldn't, I don't think that should be the case because he's not considered the primary offensive spark plug of this team. He's maybe number two or number three behind Devers, but he just, he's really struggling. He's really fighting it right now. And the injury today is just kind of like the icing on the cake. It's like, okay, so... Now the guy's really struggling, and now who knows how long he's going to be out. And this kind of ties back to our number five with, with Alex Cora. You know, 
you can give Xander Bogarts all the days off you want. That's great. Oh, we want to preserve him for the long run. If he gets spiked in the middle of a game and now he's going to miss the next three because his knee is screwed up, then what was the point of all the other days off you gave him? Freak injuries happen, Alex. Like, so kind of serves him right too. So it's Bogarts has been really frustrating. You know, obviously the narrative surrounding him with the contract and him and Boris and all that stuff. And honestly, he's costing himself money with every game that he plays so far because he's been really unproductive and has not helped this lineup at all. His defense has not been great this year. So that's been another glaring thing too. And it's just, it, it's all kind of compiling. And for a guy who wants to prove his worth and wants to prove that he deserves the money that he's asking for, he's not doing himself any favors. So that's been really disappointing to see. Thank you. on mute, Charlie. Thank you. Again, that's so I don't cut anybody off. I, I hate cutting people off. I hate getting cut off. Um, Rafi Devers was someone that we were talking about earlier and, and maybe, maybe I didn't, um, speak clearly when I said it, uh, last time De- Devers since that, that June 17th game, just one home run and three RBI. So just that one home run Xander Bogarts doesn't even have a run batted in past the 16th of June. That hurts. If you're batting where you are in the lineup, you're not batting eighth or ninth. You're batting fourth. And you can't get an RBI. That means that Devers isn't getting on base. Duran's not getting on base. Or they're getting out by way of the double play. And and Martinez isn't getting his job done. But you can blame all the people you want. If you go one for ten in the series with a single and a couple of walks and a double play ball, you're not doing your job either. And the fact that it's been way over two weeks, we're now at 17 days and counting, and you still have no RBIs, yeah, red flags galore. This isn't just one player, but Jason already said it. Sander is really struggling. This is somebody that has slowly watched his batting average drop from from 342 in mid-June to 321. Two weeks, you've lost two-tenths of a point. That's not good. When you're not even getting extra base hits, You've had one extra base hit since June 18th. That's not going to cut it. We, we, you know, we, we touched up on the fact that this is not a home run hitting team. This is a doubles and, and you know, maybe a triples hitting team. You've had one double in two and a half weeks. That's not good. We need you to wake up. This is not good, and we need to make changes. That's hideous. I knew Xander was quiet, but... Certainly not that quiet. So just to recap, yeah, June, June 16th. Wow. And he's only had, he's only driven in five runs since June 3rd. (laughs) So yeah, that's uh, pretty, pretty ugly for what it's worth. Second half of 2021, Xander hit just 255, which is pretty low for his standards. Only uh, eight home runs and 28 runs batted in in the last two and a half months of the season. So, 
He's falling off a little bit quicker this year. He's in a tough spot as far as his long-term future. We won't get into it this show because it's kind of the elephant in the room a lot of weeks, but he's got he's to gotta get on it. And if, if him being the MVP of the second half means he's playing somewhere else next year, I'll still take it because if Xander's hot, we're probably doing pretty well. So, all right. Finally, the number one spot on the weekend shit list. Charlie, who's the winner? I mean, honestly, could this go to any other person more deserving in the most negative way possible? Hanso Robles, if you need help packing, let me know. I can go drive to Canton. I'll go pick up my friend Jason and we'll pack for you. This is atrocious. You get to wear the the scarlet letter L anywhere you want on you. This was just a complete blow-up performance. I'm not even going to say performance because you didn't perform. Your sixth blown save of the year. You've had back-to-back appearances with blown saves. You've blown three in your last eight games. We're seven games. You just cannot seem to get it together. Three walks. Three earned, two-thirds of an inning, a bomb, one of your only two outs, a strikeout. I really don't want to spend too much time talking about this bum. He's had three appearances in his last seven where he's allowed two runs or more. His ERA went from 2.5 on June 9th to 5.7 on July 1st. You, Your ERA... Went up a hundred and change as far as percentage points. I don't trust you to pitch when we're down, we're up by five. You've lost all of the trust in the bullpen. And when Garrett Whitlock comes back, because he is coming back to that bullpen, guess who's leaving? All I'm going to say. There is a reason why Mets fans and Angels fans laughed at us when we brought this bum back. We brought this bum back because, what, he had one good month last year, and all the Illuminati went, oh, Kyam did it again. He found another hidden gem. All these teams gave up on Hansel Robles, but he can throw 98, so let's bring him back. And all the Mets fans and all the Angels fans who have watched this guy pitch for their franchises – and do the exact same thing that he's doing now, they all laughed at us. This guy blows. He stinks. He can't pitch. And again, th- like, I'm as mad as I am at Robles, I'm more mad at Kyan Bloom. This is the bullpen you put together? Hansel Robles, Tyler Danish. Like, oh, let's take our best reliever and make him a starter because that worked out great. He only injured his hip doing it. It's just... The bullpen construction is a joke on this team. You want to be a contending team, and you did. You went into the year without a closer. It, it's it's embarrassing. And Hansel Robles is kind of the perfect example of it. He was signed late in spring training. He, you know, and that's that's the excuse everyone gave. Well, he didn't really have the spring training, so you gotta give him time to get warmed up. Okay, 
well, we're two months into the season and he still blows. So what's the excuse now? He's had two months of spring training, quote unquote, and he still can't pitch. So it's just, it's embarrassing. Like you can't find anyone else. There's no one else out there that you could have signed or traded for that would be better than this guy. And it's just, it, it really makes me question, what does Kyan Bloom actually want from this team this year? Do you want to compete? Do you want to go to the playoffs? Do you want to have a deep playoff run? Or do you just want to have the top-ranked farm system by the end of the year? Because Hansel Robles being a primary reliever out of your bullpen does not spell competitive to me. And he has shown that the last couple of outings. He looks god-awful. And look, I would love nothing more than to see Hansel Robles be off this team and to be jettisoned off into free agency. But I also ask... Who are you going to get to replace him? Okay, Garrett Whitlock comes back. You put him back in the bullpen. Are we sure that Hansel Robles is the first guy out? What if it's Austin Davis? Like, they they have a whole collection of bums that they could send out before Hansel Robles. So as much as I'm sick of him, I feel like he's here for quite a while because you don't have any other options. Your pitching depth stinks, and your bullpen stinks. And this is, this is what you got. Ansel Robles has to pitch your sixth or seventh inning at some point. So the only hope going forward, honestly, is that the Red Sox offense wakes up. And by the time Robles has to come into a game, you're up by five or six runs. And he, he can't screw it up that bad. He can only give up a few more. And you can still hang in there. That's it. Because otherwise, this guy, he's not going to help you win anything. So... It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that the bullpen has gotten to this point. But then again, that's the way the team was built. I don't think they were built to contend this year. So that's where we are. So, so you brought up an interesting point about Austin Davis. But Austin Davis is uh, in a unique group in, in the uh, bullpen. So he, Jake Diekman, and Matt Strom all have one thing in common. They all throw left-handed. And uh, that's the one thing I think that's saving Austin Davis from getting demoted. Um, I, I would rather have Austin Davis than, than Hansel Robles. I, I, I don't trust him at all. Danish is another one that, you know, he can, he can do good. He can do fine, but I don't expect him to do great because in those games, I, I, I can't consistently trust that man. His ERA last month was rubbish. He really only had like one bad blow up game, but one bad blow up game's enough if you don't pitch an inning on a regular basis. You allow three runs, your area's gonna it's gonna be past five. So uh, I don't think he was the answer either. It, it hasn't been a small sample size, it hasn't been a large sample size, but it's been enough for us to know that Tyler Danish probably isn't it either. Um, I don't know. I think at this point it's take your pick. Danish has done better this year than he had last year um, or a couple of years ago because he didn't play last year. Um, I, I don't know. I think I think Robles' time is 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 over. He's a hothead. He's got bad temper. We saw that a little while ago when he was facing Toronto. When we had that huge benches clearing thing. I forget who he hit, but he was like, "Oh, you want me? You, you want me? Okay, I'm right here." Like, no, we don't need you to incite a a a, a two team brawl. No, thank you. I just don't want that. We don't need it.
Robles, I think, will be the odd man out. I do have a little bit of faith that it it'll be him. I think Danish is the only other one that makes sense, and he's been pitching okay. I also think when you have Garrett Whitlock in the ninth and then Hauk in the eighth, the seventh is a lot easier to figure out. You've got, you still have Strom, who I'm somewhat confident will will get it together. You still have Diekman. You still have Schreiber. So I think there's enough to work with there. There could be another move that happens uh, at some point in July before the deadline. But it was extremely frustrating that Robles came into that game because I'm, I'm having like Alex Cora is starting to give me like flashbacks to the John Farrell era. Like as soon as, as soon as Robles comes out, you know how it's going to end. You absolutely know how it's going to end. He's been absolutely terrible. We got walked off in the uh, June 28th uh, Toronto game. He had pitched a clean inning the night before, so maybe Cora got some false sense of security that maybe he might have figured something out, he being Robles. And then, you know, we, we get walked off uh, the the night after. I think that was might have been a Vladimir Jr. Uh, single that, that ended it. But it's it's frustrating. And the the worst thing, like I was saying just a minute ago, is when it's so predictable and you sit there for eight innings, seven or eight innings with a lead, and just one stupid decision ends up costing you. Here's one thing I'm I'm wondering. I've, I asked this earlier in the year when the season wasn't going well, when we were all basically resigned to the fact we, we could end up being a fourth or fifth place team. But could there end up being some friction between Alex Cora and Heim Bloom at some point this season? Absolutely. I mean, Alex Cora, I, I loved his interview the other day where um, I forget what decision he was being second guessed on um it was some leading reliever that he brought in that didn't work out but he's basically like look i'm the manager so i i make the calls here you know and that's the call i made and it didn't work out but i'm sure in the back of his head he's going yeah i'm the manager but you know this is what i've been dealt this is the bullpen he gave me like i'm trying to do my best guys like i'm sure i was course sitting there going i really don't want to go to robles but I don't have a choice. I've used everyone else. I have to put this guy in because I don't have anyone else who's fresh. And he's probably sitting there going, oh, geez, like this is what I'm left with. So, and again, his best reliever was taken away from him because they decided to put Whitlock in the rotation. Now, when Whitlock comes back, I'm sure that will change. At least that's the rumor is that he's going to go back to the bullpen. But yeah, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Alex Cora is sitting there going, hey, I know that you love your analytics and you love finding these hidden gems and you love dumpster diving and finding hidden gems for, you know, for no money, but I need a bullpen. Like I'm trying to win games here and I need guys who can come in and get three outs. Like they talked about on the broadcast today. Look at David Robertson again. Like 
36 year old, years old, pitched for the Yankees, pitched in the AL East for a long time. The Cubs decide to pick him up. I don't know how much he's making, probably a couple million, but that's the guy that Kai and Blue would never look at because you go, oh, he's 36 and he cost me $2 million a year. No, I'd rather get Tyler Danish for 650 k and, you know, just wear him out. And Alex Cora is probably sitting there going, well, David Robertson can still get three outs in a row without any drama. Can we get a couple guys like that so that when we get into these important games against Tampa and New York, we're not, you know, getting our asses handed to us in the eighth and ninth inning? So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if at some point there's going to be some friction between Core and Bloom. I, I was actually curious because I wanted to know how much Robertson was making. You thought $2 million? I thought I thought three. I, I didn't think it was going to be that much. $3.5 million. That's it. Three point five. You're the Boston Red Sox. You should be able to afford that. Hans, Hansel Robles is making two point two five. You pay an extra million and you have that. Damn, that hurts. Damn, that hurts. Awful. It hurts. The reason I asked this question was I thought it was Lou Merloni, but I've just gone through some of his tweets right now and I can't find it. But someone notable within the Boston media landscape raised the question of maybe Alex Cora put Hansel Robles in that spot just to prove to Bloom this bullpen's crap. You need to get me a little bit more help than this. I don't know if I believe that, but that's that's what caused me to kind of revisit that question I had six or eight weeks ago when maybe maybe there could be some friction. And I should also point out again, I'm totally convinced that Alex Cora was not Bloom's guy. I think ownership said, We're, we got to bring him back. The chemistry, the respect in the clubhouse, the fans love him. You have to bring him back. I really think Bloom wanted Sam Fold. He wanted his own guy. And the worst thing that can happen to a general manager or a chief baseball officer, as I think Bloom's title is, is that the manager is more popular than him. Because when that happens, it's so hard to fire the manager. So it's it's a tough spot. I mean, I think Bloom is probably honed in a lot on the draft right now, which is coming up in about uh, two and a half, three weeks. Our hope would be that he's focused on the big club right now on how to improve it and to kind of get us firing on all cylinders again. And the, the bullpen definitely needs to be addressed. If, if Hansel Robles, I, I, I hope that Alex Cora doesn't put him in a position to blow another game again. I, I think, I think the, the last time out, which was in game one, hopefully that was the exclamation point that this guy doesn't have it. Eventually they got there with Matt Barnes. Have we heard Matt Barnes name brought up? at all in the last few weeks? No. So I think he's on the Matt Barnes program. 
wherever Barnes is, I think he's in Florida right now. I think Robles is going to be joining him. Robles was only brought in on a minor league deal, which escalated into something when, when, you know, he made the team, but it just didn't work. And it's disappointing because like I said, in the last show, when he had that great month and a half, you know, September and that half of uh, October that we were fortunate enough to, to play some playoff baseball, he was solid. And I was like, this, this is the, the new Red Sox pitching program. And this is what we're going to do with, with guys. But he's fallen off a cliff and doesn't have it. Jason. Let me ask you this, because you brought it up. And, and I want to just ask flat out to the two of you. Who do you think amongst the general population of Red Sox fans, who do you think is more popular, Alex Cora or Kyan Bloom right now? I think it's Cora. I, I still think it's Cora because I don't think people have forgiven the fact that Heim Bloom still has not signed Rafael Devers or Xander Bogarts. As much as it pains me to say that, you are not signing your best player. Even though he's going through a struggle, it is now the first week of July and he's not signed. I still think that Heim Bloom is running away with being the most hated between those two. And really, what has Bloom done to address any problems? He he called up Duran and he called up Cordero. I don't think there's been. Yeah, and, and that's true. The only reason I ask that is because there's a big sect of Red Sox fans that are very much like, well, just wait till 2024. Just wait till 2025 when it's Casas and Marcelo Mayer and Nick York and all these other guys and Brian Bayo. And so there's a, there's a certain sect of Red Sox fans. I don't know how big it is quite yet, but they're sort of going, well, who cares if they don't contend this year, just wait till 2024 when Casas and all those guys are up. So that's why I asked the question is because Kyan Bloom seems to have this grace period of like the next three to four years where the Red Sox may not win a world series. They may even get close, but as long as he's got the top 10 farm system, they might look at that and go, well, he's got the players. It, you know, if they don't win a world series, then I guess that's on the manager. So that's the reason I ask it. We'll see. I, I would love to see a guy and Merloni would be the guy to do it, to, to break some rumor that, Oh, there was a heated conversation between Cora and bloom in the office and the clubhouse the other day. Um, I would love to hear it. I would absolutely love to hear it. See, put yourself in Cora's shoes real quick. He came in with Dave Dombrowski, who gave him everything he wanted at the drop of a hat. He got him, he got him JD Martinez right out of the gates, who went along with Mookie Betts and Andrew Benintendi was still a pretty good player in 2018. Um, whenever, whenever something needed to be addressed, Dombrowski took care of it. That's not what Bloom does. That's not what Bloom does at all. So, so that's that's why I'd, I'd love to see the rumors come flying, but we'll see. I think we're a good solid couple of weeks from that. You know. 
we were what 11 games above 500 and now we're what eight or nine something like that i forgot to check if we end up back down towards 500 again that's that's when that's when things are going to be ugly so i mean if the red sox have a bad month i mean we can't rule out that they're they're not necessarily going to be sellers like if if we only win 5 out of the next 20 not saying that's going to happen but so anyway let's end the crazy talk uh, let's get over to uh, the matchups for uh, this Tampa Red Sox series, and I did it again. I didn't. Uh, I didn't get them up. I we know tomorrow it's going to be Austin Davis uh, opening. Like I said in the intro, uh, he is going to be facing. Bear with me, Jalen Beeks. Jalen Beeks. Yep, the guy we traded. For Nathan Avaldi in 2018. So, Charlie, go ahead. Lead off. How do you see that one going? I see Tampa Bay winning. And the reason for that being is Beeks hasn't been bad. I don't know how long they're going to be able to get Davis out there for. We're not hitting. And Tampa Bay just got Wander Franco back. So, I'm going to give the edge to Tampa Bay in this one. Um, Beeks so far... Not doing great in his last couple of appearances, but I think you're just going to have to give him one opportunity, and he's going to light the Christmas tree. It's probably going to be against us. This is a, a revenge match for Beeks because Beeks wants a little bit of payback. We did not give him a chance after he blew up in 2018. He's put in a couple of quality years since. I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, unfortunately, we're going to start off going 0-1 in the series. Yeah, I'm I'm going with Tampa as well. Um, I'm not putting my trust in Austin Davis. <laughs> like, sorry, no, um, I'm not doing that. I've never been an Austin Davis guy. I'm certainly not going to start tonight. Um, I think Andrew made a good point the last show where he said that the Red Sox might be kind of rushing through this series slash looking past Chicago because they know the Tampa series is coming up. They know they've got the kind of funky 130 start on a Monday because of July 4th. So I think they were looking past Chicago a little bit and I think they were just kind of rushing through it. And I just, I think they're going to run into a pitcher in Jalen Beeks. Who's not bad. He's, he's had a decent year. Charlie mentioned it, his last few starts haven't been great, but overall he's been pretty good. And again, I just, I'm not going to put my faith in Austin Davis, especially if, the Red Sox are expecting him to put pitch multiple innings. So uh, I'll take Tampa on that one. Beeks hasn't pitched more than two innings since at least June 12th. So this is a opener situation uh, for Tampa as well. He did get tagged for three runs uh, two appearances ago against the Pittsburgh Pirates of all people. Yankees tuned him up for two runs uh, in his appearance before that. I'm not that pessimistic on Austin Davis. He didn't pitch at all in the Cubs series. He's pretty well rested. He did pitch 50-something pitches recently. That might have been the Toronto series. And so 
Not a lot of pessimism there, but where I am pessimistic is our lineup. If Xander's not in it, Devers is still trying to mangle the ball rather than just kind of calm down. And we don't know what we're getting with Martinez and story. I just don't like where this team is at offensively. So for that reason, I'll also pick the Tampa Bay Rays to win game one. Charlie. You know, you brought up a point, you know, we, we discussed that Beeks hasn't really been doing that well. Red Sox aren't hitting, so he could end up going three plus innings if we're not hitting. He could. So that's the thing. We can talk about Beeks not doing well in the last couple of starts. I mean, Beeks in his last three, uh, I just got to pull it up real quick. His last uh, last three appearances, Milwaukee, decent team. Uh, Pittsburgh, they just promoted a bunch of their rookie guys. O'Neill Cruz looks like the truth. He's literally the same size as Aaron Judge, and he's ripping everything. And then the Yankees, three really, you know, either highly potent teams or teams that have potential, like, offensive breakout candidates. We don't know if we're going to hit. So Beeks could probably go three-plus, allowing one run on four hits, and that's a win for him. That is a 135 start. I'm probably going to be at the beach for that one, weather permitting. But uh, the next two games are primetime. In fact, wow, the next. Wow. Every game until a week from Saturday is a 7 p.m. or later start. So that's awesome. I love that. Game two on Tuesday, which is my mother's birthday. She'll be 65, which... uh, pretty good for her she's got like advanced copd so just a lot of us are surprised she's still uh fighting the good fight but uh nick pavetta versus jeff springs who we traded to tampa along with chris mazza to get their catcher Uh, i think his name is ronaldo hernandez who apparently isn't very good and uh tampa must have known something but uh so we'll be facing him Charlie, just go ahead. Springs has been pretty good. I think that's what we're going to talk about here. Yeah, Springs has been adorable, but he's not Nick Pavetta. And uh, I just, I I can't go against Pavetta right now. Uh, Pavetta has just been absolutely on fire. Since the first day of May, he has pitched in 11 appearances, and home slice is 8-1. and one. That's pretty good. He's loaded his ERA from 7.84 to 3.23. That's pretty good. He said, I believe eight or nine of his last 10 appearance all go for quality starts. That's pretty good. And he's only allowed more than three runs once, three runs or worse, twice since that first game of May. So I'm going to go Pavetta here. As great as Jeffrey Springs has been, Pavetta's still better. Yeah, this was a tough one for me because Jeff Springs has been dynamite this year. He's been Tampa's second-best pitcher behind McClanahan, um, which is saying something because McClanahan's a beast. Um, But I'm going with the Red Sox for two reasons. One, like Charlie said, it's really hard to bet against Nick Pavetta right now. The way he's pitching, he's been absolutely awesome, Um, really hasn't struggled too much. The other reason I'm going with the Red Sox is Springs is just coming back from a medical emergency, 
with his family. So he missed his last start due to, they just said it was a medical emergency. We don't know what that was. I don't know the details around it, but he's making his first start after that. I just think, you know, outside of, you know, off the field distraction kind of thing. He's going up against the Red Sox best pitcher right now. I just feel like that might screw him up a little bit. I don't think he's going to completely suck because I still think he's a really good pitcher, but you always wonder what those off field distractions kind of do to a guy like he just rejoined the team yesterday, I think. So I don't know if he's going to be in a great frame of mind and Nick Pavetta is in the right frame of mind. He's, he's pitching like an assassin right now. So I'll take the Red Sox in that one. Cause I just believe in Pavetta more than Springs for that particular day. Springs actually did, uh, despite his good numbers, um, he did get kind of knocked around in his last couple starts. Well, he he got hit for three earned runs. I guess that's not that bad where it was over six innings. Start before that, though, against Baltimore, four and one-third. He got tagged for four. So perhaps we could be catching him at the right time. And like Jason was alluding to, his, his routine's been off because he wasn't with the team. So perhaps that could play into our favor. Nick Pavetta hasn't faced the Tampa Bay Rays yet this year. He faced them three times last year, uh, gave up no runs over five innings on his April 5th, 2021 start. And then, uh, no earned runs again against them in six and two thirds. So really dominant against them twice. He did get tagged for three earned runs and then one more time for four earned runs um, in the month of August last year, which is when he wasn't pitching well at all. So overall he, he hasn't done too bad uh, against Tampa and where he's kind of, had a very impressive last six or eight weeks. I think he, he should be able to kind of hold their lineup uh, at bay uh, in game two. So I will take the Red Sox uh, to, to win the second game of the series game three on, let's see, that'll be Wednesday. Lost my spot. Go ahead, so, Charlie. You, yeah, you so, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, uh, it's scheduled to be game three, another 7 10 appearance. The, so, you know, after that first 130 that you mentioned, we get 12 straight games of 7 10, 7 o'clock, or 7 05, 7 15. So, we got that 20 minute window, which is awesome. You got Rich Hill going up against Corey Kluber. No, my that, guy. That'll, uh, Hill is, uh, Hill's out. Yes, so so that's right. Cutter Crawford is who I'm boldly going to assume will get that spot. Is that confirmed, or we're we're just we're guessing? I don't know. It's all it could be. I mean, okay. it Winkowski is is one day short of rest, so it's not going to be him. And um, you know, it wouldn't be Siebold that fast. So, how did Cutter Crawford do in his last appearance? Uh, pretty good, actually. Um, forget who it was against, but he didn't do too bad. Seattle, he did well. 
Okay. I, I don't remember him doing great the last one, so I, I don't remember. Um, Corey Kluber also hasn't done great as of late. He had three quality starts in June, but his his ERA isn't pretty. I I don't know what side of Corey Kluber we're going to see. He's done very well against the Yankees, and unfortunately, I think I'm going to side with Tampa Bay. And again, the only reason for that being, I, I don't know what our offensive situation is going to look like. We're, we're just not showing me that, at least I, I don't feel like they're showing us, that they're consistent enough to win ball games. We're just not getting it done. I so I'm, I'm going to edge, uh, give Tampa Bay the edge here, and it pains me to say it, but I think we're going to lose this series two games to one. I will actually go with the Red Sox uh, for this one, and I'll, I'll have them take in two out of three. Corey Kluber has faced the Red Sox 12 times in his career, and he has an ERA near five. Um, so he doesn't do well against us. We, we tend to hit him pretty well. Now, again, if the offensive struggles continue and Devers and we don't know how many games Bogarts is going to play this series. I mean, Cora said tonight that he expects Bogarts could be in there tomorrow if he feels good, but that's quote unquote, if he feels good, which means I don't expect Bogarts to be in the lineup tomorrow. I'm hoping he's in the lineup Tuesday and Wednesday, but we'll see because Alex Reste Cora, you never know. He, he might just give that knee a full three days off. Um, so it depends on how the offense is going, but we do tend to hit, tend to hit Kluber pretty well. Cutter Crawford, I, I don't have a ton of confidence in, but I'm not also sold on that Tampa lineup either. I, I don't think Tampa Tampa's lineup is all that good, quite frankly. So I'll take the Red Sox in that one just simply because of their history against Corey Kluber. I think that they can hit them and they'll get to them early. And if the Red Sox bullpen can piece it together, you know, for the rest of the game, and that's a big if, but I think they can pull it off. It might be a tight one, but I'll take the Red Sox in game three. Those Kluber numbers are ominous. We do tend to hit him pretty well. And he did get, uh, he only lasted three innings in his last appearance against the, Blue Jays gave up five earned runs over those three innings. So um, that could certainly uh, benefit the Red Sox. Cutter Crawford, oh, in his last start, he did get tagged for, for four runs. That was against the St. Louis Cardinals. So it was the start before that, like Charlie said, against Seattle. He had a very good outing, five uh, scoreless innings. So... I'm not a Cutter Crawford guy. That Seattle uh, start, and then he had a, I can't remember, it was a start or a long relief appearance uh, against the Yankees uh, that he pitched very well. Actually, that was just a two-inning uh, relief appearance against the Yankees. Struck out three. But I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Rays. I just don't trust the offense. So... Um, I've got the Red Sox losing this series two games to one, unfortunately. I hope Jason's right. We're rooting for Jason. Yeah, I hope I'm right. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, was, love you, right. I, I really hope so, too. I was clapping on mute, you know, where I sometimes am, even when I'm trying to say something. Um, Just, you know, happy that we had one out of the three, because I had a hunch that Terry and I were going to be the uh, 
the the losers here saying that we just didn't have it. So I'm I'm happy that one of the three felt that way. Well, all right. Uh, I guess we will wrap on that. I uh, hope everybody's having a safe fourth and not getting shit faced and trying to drive and be dangerous. So be smart today. Uh, hope the weather's good wherever everyone is. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow uh, when everyone's back to work. Although this is a big vacation week, I guess, as well. But we'll still be back tomorrow for Hot Take Tuesday. So be on the lookout for that show. Take care. <laughs>